Welcome to the Back and Shake podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about chronic lower back pain. We're going to talk about what it is, how it happens. We're going to talk about some solutions as well towards the end of today's podcast. I've got a couple of notes just out of shot for those of you who are watching, so you might see me glancing just off to the side occasionally. For those of you that are listening today, we might have a little bit of demonstration from a visual point of view, but for the most part, it is just going to be an audio experience. So let's get into uh, chronic lower back pain and specifically what exactly it is. Now, the definition of chronic lower back pain is really when, well, with any condition for that matter, but when the condition starts to be present for 12 weeks, around about three months in time. And, and, and that is a very important time frame to uh, consider, to remember, because it's the point at which some of these changes that start to happen in with our lower back pain start to become a little bit more ingrained in us. And we'll explore a little bit later on what exactly is happening. We're not gonna go into the deep depths of the, the, the physiology and all those sorts of things happening, but we are gonna go through some basic principles that you can really understand and, and will have most likely experienced if you're someone watching this with chronic lower back pain. Now, we'll start out just by talking a little bit about how this actually happens. Whether it's lower back pain with sciatica, symptoms down the leg, whether it's just lower back pain, the very first and most important thing to note with regards to that 12, uh, 12 week to three month period is that it starts when the back pain starts. It doesn't start when your first appointment is, it doesn't start when it gets bad, it starts when it starts, when you first have that injury, that occurrence. Sometimes with these sorts of things, it's crept up relatively under the radar for a longer period of time. But the important thing, as we'll see a little bit later on with some of the changes that take place and the way in which we change when we have chronic low back pain, it starts when it starts. And there are really sort of, especially over here in the UK, there are some natural flaws in our system and, and probably in other countries too, about the way in which we approach lower back pain, which, which fundamentally allow so many people to kind of fall into that category of chronic low back pain. And, and again, it's worth comparing that some of these changes are not present in the acute case, or they're not ingrained in the acute case. And that is, is really something to just have in the back of your mind as we're going through all of this. Now there are sort of two um, categories of people really, and then one, maybe a little bit more ladies fall into this category, and the other, maybe typically men fall into this category. But, but the reality unfortunately is, is it tends to be that both end up in the same place. And, and, and that's just a failing, hopefully, or unfortunately, of the way in which we do things over here in the UK in most cases. And that is the, we've got the, the one guy, let's say, who has low back pain, you leave it. You don't do anything about it. It gets worse, it's not going away. And after 10 weeks, you go and say, right, do you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm gonna call the GP and book an appointment. That's GP's a doctor for those of you that aren't in the UK. Uh, and book an appointment and, and, and oh, now that's gonna be in two weeks time, boom you're already chronic. We haven't had the opportunity to make any of those changes early on when they're very easy to do so, and now the problem's chronic, and you've got your first appointment, and there's probably you know, a, a waiting list for when you're actually gonna start getting some help and support through the means of treatment, education, etc. So that's the first, first uh, way of delaying it. And then there's the other way, the proactive. Generally, ladies tend to be a little more proactive about their health than guys do. And you know, you hurt your back, giving it a day or two, not getting any better, okay, on the phone, book an appointment with the GP, and unfortunately, it's maybe six, eight, or maybe a little bit longer weeks before we get any meaningful intervention. Quite often, it's a case of, look, back pain tends to go away on its own, so, you know, off you go, here's some painkillers, and, and come back and see if it doesn't get any better, and then, all, all, before you know it, 12 weeks has elapsed. Now, with all conditions, including a broken leg, your body is going to heal, and the back is no different. The question is, 
you would not be very happy if you went in, or the statement is, you would not be very happy if you went into your GP and said, look, I've just broken my arm, or you're in an A&E accident, an emergency. I've just broken my leg, let's say. And they say, oh, don't worry. Legs heal on their own, given six to 12 weeks. Just go away and, and you know, if it hurts a little bit, take some painkillers and crack on. Now, this is a bit of a facetious example, but there are definitely some parallels here with lower back pain. You have an injury in your lower back, you have an injury, a break in the leg. Without the proper guidance, your body, your leg, will go through a healing process. Your back will try and heal. But quite often, it'll go through a poor healing process. You won't heal as well. Maybe the break or the fracture or the damage is so that the leg's gonna heal a little bit skew if It's maybe gonna affect the mobility in the ankle, the mobility in the knee, let's say, of the way in which it's healed. When in actual fact, what tends to happen is, look, let's get you in, let's get a cast, let's get some treatment, let's get some intervention, some education around this injury, whether it's a break or a sprain in the leg, and we're gonna isolate it, we're gonna protect it, so it goes through the best possible healing process. And that with back pain just simply isn't done. It's just a case of go home, take some painkillers and it'll go away. And that is not helpful. You're using your back every single day. Whether you like it or not, you're going to work with back pain. You're living around the house with back pain. You're sitting watching TV with back pain. The same thing with that broken leg. The only difference with that broken leg is that that's in a cast and it's protected and it's isolated and you can't mess it up. With the back, it's not practical to do those sorts of things. And this isn't an, you know, an, an, an instruction for you to go and get a brace or something like that. That's, that's terrible when it comes to lower back pain. But the point is to illustrate that your body will try and heal. And there is some credit to the statement of, you know, your back's gonna heal over that time frame. So just go away. But, but the statement stops it being true in so much as your back will heal itself or try to heal itself. Our body is turning over all the time. It's magnificent the way in which it works. But when it comes to lower back pain, and allowing it to unnecessarily get chronic. By intervening earlier, we can really make some massive differences and avoid the changes taking place that happen when we start to go chronic. So no, your lower back, just like your leg, it's gonna heal, but it makes sense to be proactive and avoid things being left to your own devices. You're not an expert with the lower back. You're not supposed to be. You're experts in whatever jobs you do. You do those things great. And you understand that there are certain ways of doing things in your particular job, your profession, whatever it is. Um, that need to be observed to get good results. And the same is true of your lower back. Now, that brings us on to the changes. So what is actually happening in your body when things go chronic? Well, I've got three specific changes for you guys. We're gonna go through movement habits that change, very important, relief practice, and then finally medication. And one kind of one that kind of encompasses all of these, which is the social component. Now, from a movement pattern change, when you've got lower back pain, and this starts day one, you injure your back just like if you injure your leg, you immediately shift up, you change your weight, you distribute your weight on the good leg, so and you, you hoist up the bad leg so you're not putting as much pressure on it, and that leads to changes in the musculature. And the lower back is no different. Let's just suppose you've got a lower back injury and the pain is going down the left leg, or it hurts when you weight bar on the left leg, but it's just centralized and focused in, in and around your lumbar spine the changes will take place. You're gonna get signals going out to that one side to tell the hip to tighten up, provide more support, maybe it's in pain, protect the area, and that's problematic in its own right, and we'll cut, touch on that, uh, we'll circle back and touch on that in a moment. And then the other side, it gets weak, it's not used as much, you're not load-bearing on that side, so the muscles start to atrophy. And then now all of a sudden, we've got a bit of a, a, a mismatch in the muscles as they come in to this bottom section of the spine here, we've now got strong on this side, but stiff and rigid or stronger. And then we've got weakness here and, and free movement maybe, but over time that's gonna stiffen up too. And that's gonna create asymmetrical pulls in and around this section of the lumbar spine, which is again, that might happen immediately when you injure your lower back, but it's going to really ingrain itself and then become a problem in of itself 
later on. And we'll come back to that in a second. The next thing we've got is relief practices. With these relief practices, they're little things. It might, medication might come into this, but it might be, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, and I've seen it in clinical practices, oh, well, if I have a few drinks, it just takes the edge off and I feel okay. Other cases, it's, I mean, every time I get back pain, I'm gonna drop down to, to a low squat position and round and curl my lower back. It might be knee hugs, pulling the knees towards the chest. These are little things that we do and we find ourselves doing more and more as a means of managing the lower back pain. But those very things also create problems. They create a further, for example, with the hugging of the knees. They create the further stretching out of the lumbar, lumbar lordosis, reducing of the lumbar lordosis. And that becomes more and more ineffective, an, an ineffective way of transmitting weight, of load bearing, and therefore your back becomes more vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera. And also in many cases, best case scenario, you get hooked into these little relief practices that provide you a moment to moment relief and there's no real long-term consequence. Worst case scenario is actually you're doing these things and although they provide you a second, a second of relief or two, you're actually making the fundamental problem worse. And knee hugs would be a great example of that. It, it feels nice while you do it and there's reasons and we've got tons of videos that explain why things like knee hugs feel nice at the right time, but are the wrong thing to do. Then we come on to medication. And this is really important because there's a whole breadth of medication. I'm not gonna go too much into the detail of the more strong prescription pain medications because they have challenges and you'll be advised those from your doctor and, and sure, they may be necessary to help you get through the woods in conjunction with your exercise, but so frequently they are not given in conjunction with proper guidance. They're just given on their own. And that leads to a difficulty sometimes coming off those medications. Not to mention they make people feel groggy, you know, side effects, etc. You know, it's, it's just not helpful in, in, in the grand scheme of things when not done responsibly. Sometimes we do need medication and it can be a real lifesaver to help us, but it needs to be done in a responsible manner and, and we see all too often that's not the case. People are just given repeat prescriptions for some of these things, uh, you know, uh, amitriptyline, gabapentin, all you know, diclofenac, etc. And and it's kind of on your own, you've got the pain medication, we can get rid of the pain, now off you go. And all the while, the two previous changes, uh, the um, movement habits and the relief practices are ingraining further and further, making for a problem that's more deeply seated and rooted in your very being and harder then to unwind. But the more common problem with painkilling medications, specifically those non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, things like ibuprofen that we can readily get, is we start taking those and they have side effects. One of the big side effects is going to be gut issues. Now, think about gut issues for a moment. We have inflammation of the gut, which means we have stomach pain, stomach aching. What's the thing that anyone with a stomach ache does when they're in pain? They certainly don't stand up straight. They round themselves over, they clutch at their stomach, they fold that lumbar spine more creating more and more stress and strain, completely unrelated to the back. They're not doing it because of the back pain. You're doing it because you've got stomach pain as a result of the medication you're taking to try and reduce the back pain. The secondary problem with that is, as many of you will know, from a nutrition standpoint, we're trying to rebuild something. We're doing our rehabilitation to rebuild the strength in our body. And if we are trying to do that, we need to be able to absorb that nutrients, those nutrients. Now, we have a gut laden with anti-inflammatories, it's inflamed, it's not working properly. How on earth are we getting that nutrition into our body? So then when we do try and make some changes while we're still taking these pain medication, we're not able to actually get the goodness out of our food as effectively. Sure, it's not quite as extreme as one might think, but it has an effect. And when you're trying to recover from something that's difficult to recover, there's lots of moving parts, you don't want to unnecessarily be stacking the odds against you. So that's one of the big issues with pain medication. Now, if we come back to that movement patterns just for a moment and explore that a little bit more, 
One of the big problems with letting these movement patterns set in our body is that they have a secondary effect of making the back pain worse. Sure, if you're doing it for a couple of weeks and leaning on one side a little bit more than the other and you're aware that that's a problem, you're gonna try and square yourself off. But once it becomes chronic and that movement pattern, you're not even aware you're doing it anymore. You're not aware that you're walking like that. You're not aware that whenever you bend down, you bend down in that peculiar quirky way you start to get those hips tightening up, as I mentioned earlier. And the big problem, as many of you know who, who, who've done the Back in Shape program or watched any of our videos about lower back pain, is that it's the load-bearing structure that is going to be distorted, like I mentioned with regards to one side being tighter than the other. But when the lower back works, for the lower back to work effectively, it needs to be able to be stable when it's trying to recover from an injury and the hips need to be nice and mobile. Now all of a sudden, we've got real stiffness on the one side, which means that the back is going to get involved when we're moving around, when we're getting up out of a chair, when we're doing things. That lower back that's trying to heal is going to be influenced negatively by the stiffness that develops in these muscles. And that stiffness leads us down a bit of a, a treacherous path because we then start to focus on stretching. So many people with chronic back pain start to focus on stretching. Oh, I'm stiff and tight in these muscles. I need to stretch them more and more and more. And all there is is a focus on stretching because we start to fail to appreciate the relationship between tension in those muscles and weakness in those muscles. And we're constantly trying to stretch and that just makes things worse and worse. And quite often, stretches like Maybe it's the figure four for piriformis, or maybe it's just knee hugs and or intensive glute stretches to try and pull that knee across the chest, all the while rounding the lower back and making the problem worse. So we painted rather a bleak picture here, and, and, it, and it gets a little bit worse, unfortunately, for some. And that is, we've got these movement pattern changes. We've got the relief practices we're doing, which just kind of disrupt things. You know, if you're out, you're out with friends and you have to go and squat in a corner to try and round your lower back. That's not very good. So you stop doing that, you shy away from that. And then you're maybe taking some medication so you don't feel quite as good up here. You feel groggy, a little bit out of it, or maybe you've got stomach pain all the time. You can't partake in the social as effectively as you'd like to. We start to remove ourselves from you know, going out with friends, from going out with the family. It affects our mood. All of these sorts of things start to culminate in a disposition that tends to lean itself more to the negative. And that is something that, you know, over the years, seeing tens of thousands of patients and members in the Back in Shape program as well as clinically uh, before that, one of the most important things is having a positive outlook. And, and when we start to drift down that negative outlook side of things, because everything's just going wrong, we've got the pain, we're in pain all the time, we're not able to do the things we love, all of these things start to add up and it tends to just put us in the wrong frame of mind and that is not helpful. We need that community to help us. And that is one thing, uh, you know, a little bit of a plug for back in shape and having that community has really been something for some of the members that have chronic back pain, having a community of people to start to engage in that social manner going forwards is really, really helpful to just get you the motivation necessary. You need support, you need help when you're trying to recover from chronic back pain because it is very isolating. And if you've been isolating yourself um, subconsciously over a long period of time, maybe because you just, you, to start out with, you just couldn't go to some of these events because of the pain. And now you just don't want to anymore because it's, it's kind of become so cumbersome to go and do these things that you love. Having that community to start to bring you back out of that and see the light that other people know what you're going through is really, really important. And just offered a tangent from that is that quite often people with chronic back pain do feel a little bit, not a fraud, but, but kind of. 
because you're like, oh, I'm in so much pain all the time, but other people can't see that. And I feel like they feel like I'm a fraud because I'm, I'm, I'm able to kind of move around, but I'm even in pain, but people can't see that. There's no marker. It's not like I've got a cast on my arm that says, hey, this is broken over here. It's not working. Watch out for me. They just see you and, and, and you say, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in pain, but, but they don't really know. And that can also, again, be isolating and seeing other people that know what that feels like and that have come out of, of that position is really, really important. So then we come to the solutions. What are we going to do about it? What can we do about it? Well, unfortunately, one of the things that we see in chronic back pain patients is that you've gone from pillar to post. You've tried this treatment, that treatment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and often in the early days, there's this expectation that it should have actually been faster. I should have recovered faster. But, but that often comes after that 12-week period. And the back pain is built up, but it, we don't really acknowledge. And the amount of times you'd be in a consultation speaking to someone, a patient, and they go, oh, I've only had it for the last two weeks. And then it's a case of, well, have you really? And then you go through the history and say, oh, no, 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 wait, you've had it for longer than that. It's just not been a priority for the last two weeks, uh, for, for before the last two weeks. It's kind of been there and you've just kind of been ignoring it, hoping it'll go away for a longer period of time. So you have to recognize the journey, that you have had back pain for a long period of time. And if you saw last week's episode on squats, squats can be something or a sign that things are getting worse. Our degradation and ability to move effectively through the world is something that often has built up from our 20s or maybe even before that in our teenage years. We cannot move as effectively. And all of those little strengths, those little lifestyle habits, those weaknesses that we have, the dietary issues that we've got, they all feed into our body working less and less well. And those are things that need to be addressed. It's not that it's just been there for a couple of weeks. It has built up for a long period of time. And with that in mind, if you are mentally prepared to go on a little five minute walk and you prep to go on a five minute walk, you're going to be rather dismayed when you get five minutes in or 20 minutes in or half an hour in and all of a sudden it turns out like this is going to be a 12 hour slog. You prepare very differently mentally when you appreciate that this journey ahead of me is going to be a 12 hour journey. It's not going to be five minutes and therefore mentally you're prepared for that journey to be longer. And so you don't get disheartened. That feeds back into the social, having that negative outlook. You know what you're ready for. You know it's gonna be difficult, but you know you can do it. And that is really, really important. We'll touch on that later. Now there are three things, and I mentioned seeing a lot of patients over the years, a lot of members in the program, and I will say almost categorically, every single person with chronic lower back pain or lower back pain of some sort has three areas that they have control over and are not adequate that are not acceptable, they're not reasonable, especially when it comes to chronic. Maybe when it wasn't chronic, you, did, you, were, you were in control of these things, but certainly with the chronic case of back pain and sciatica, these are relevant. And that's number one, you are not strong as you should be. Your body's ability to carry load is not as strong as it should be. Number two is the diet. You're not eating well. You're not taking care of yourself. You're not getting adequate nutrients in, or at least there is significant room for improvement. And that doesn't mean, oh, I eat well Monday to Friday, but Saturday and Sunday I do whatever I want. That's, it's all the time you have a good eating regime. And then number three is the lifestyle, the way in which we're using our bodies on a daily basis. That can be improved. And now more than ever, with, the, with many of us able to work from home, we have the flexibility that we perhaps didn't have before. And we can actually seriously do something about our lifestyle, change the way in which we do things, prioritize certain things above others, and make changes when it comes to that way we use our body on a daily basis. Now, the first thing with strength, just have a think about it. Because you might think, well, how strong do I need to be? Many of us will have shopping bags we have to carry. That's between five, 10 kilos, they may be. We have a plant pot in the garden, maybe that's 10 to 15 kilos. And we have that holiday suitcase, maybe that's 20 to 25 kilos that you're gonna be carrying. If you cannot do effective working out with those sorts of weights, you are not as strong as you need to be. And I would argue, you really need to be a lot stronger than that, so those weights aren't really a challenge, they're effortless. 
but many people cannot feel comfortable or do not feel comfortable carrying even the five to 10 kilo weight with lower back pain, with chronic lower back pain, you're not strong enough to do those things. So you must improve that. The dietary side of things, adequate levels of protein intake, calorie intake, excess sugar, excess processed foods, all of these things arguably can be, or some of those can be inflammatory drivers, making us feel worse. At the very least, if you have a large amount of carbs uh, on their own, you know, or, or refined foods, you don't feel good afterwards. Maybe you do while you're eating them and we're all guilty of that, but you can focus on these things. If we, we, you've got 100% control over what we're putting into our body. And then finally, those lifestyle habits, like I mentioned, you can change those things. And I think if there's one thing you need to take away from this, that treatment can help sometimes, but treatment will never give you long-term results, especially if those three things I just mentioned, the diet, the lifestyle, and the strength of your body is not in check. Those three things, however, if you get those right, it may take a little bit longer than doing treatment and those things, but you will always have room for improvement. And I think it's very, very, very rare that you get your diet on point for a significant period of time, you get your lifestyle habits changed in a significant and meaningful way, and you improve your body's composition, your strength, your flexibility, strength first though, flexibility second. I would be completely surprised if you are successful in doing those three things, that you don't find your lower back pain goes away very, very, in a very, very lasting manner. Sure, you need to know that you're doing the right sort of diet. You need to know that you're doing the right sort of exercises and how to start doing those because you could start doing exercises and actually hurt yourself and that's gonna be a problem. You need guidance along the way, but you have the power and more importantly, only you can do it. Someone like us at the Back and Shape program, we can say, hey, you need to do these exercises and this is how you need to do them. But if you don't do them correctly, if you don't follow the program, if you do them haphazardly, and if you do them without the proper uh, intensity that is required and consistency that is required, you do them for a few weeks and then go, ah, well, I'll, I'll finish with that then that's not gonna get you results. You have to do it, but you can do it. So please, if you're someone suffering with chronic lower back pain, get those three things right. You can 100% do that, and the cost of doing so is negligible, especially when considered to the many thousands of pounds people often spend getting consultations, going round and round looking for a diagnosis, a specific diagnosis, and, and, and all the while allowing that chronic back pain to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. There is almost no scenario where you being stronger, no diagnosis that could possibly be given, where you being stronger is going to be a bad thing, where you making concerted effort to improve your diet and lifestyle is going to be a bad thing. People often use these appointments, these consultations, as an excuse to do nothing. Oh, I've got to wait until I get a consultation. But you've already had a bunch of MRIs. If there was a red flag, a cause for emergency surgery, you would already have been in the, in, in the A&E. You already would have had it done. Because I've seen patients where they come into the clinic, or heard of patients where they come into the clinic, and you're off, you're straight in and boom, the, the situation's taken care of because there are some serious red flags there. But if you are someone with chronic back pain that's gone from pillar to post, you've already had all the investigation necessary. There's no reason you can't continue that investigation at the same time if you have the resources to do so and you have the inclination to do so. But make sure you're not kidding yourself and you're not using that as an excuse to do nothing that you can do right now because you're gonna have to do these things. You're gonna have to get the lifestyle, you're gonna have to get the dietary side of things, and you're gonna have to get yourself stronger. That is non-negotiable if you want to recover chronic lower back pain. Now, I know we finished with a bit of a powerful message there. I do hope it's, it's, it's received in the way because it is meant to inspire you to do these things and know that you have the power and take some of that back because too many people with chronic back pain have given it away a long time ago and they don't recognize how much control they have over the trajectory of their recovery. 
If you did find this helpful, make sure you, if you're watching on one of the podcast platforms, or if you're watching on YouTube, consider subscribing to the channel, giving us a thumbs up. If you've got any questions or comments, we love to hear those, post those in the comment section below. If you've been struggling with chronic lower back pain, or you're not really sure what to do, or you think you've, you've covered things, but, but maybe you've got some additional questions on areas we haven't covered, post those in the comments below, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Bank Shape Podcast. Thanks for watching.